Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. start off the first environmental holiday and only one is uh, retroactive of course but it is the National Public Gardens Day and that's celebrated in the US it's usually held on the Friday before Mother's Day or which is the second Sunday in May so the 2020 date for the National Public Gardens Day was actually on May 8th uh, for 2020 Headlines from the Hemispheres is the next segment. It's all about environmental news all across the world. The first uh, headline is out of Kensington, Maryland, and it's from Huffington Post, and specifically the environment section. And it's about insects and their population uh, sort of diminishing. So Earth's insect population shrinks 27% in the last 30 years. So this has really uh, struck the world and it's really been unfortunate because 25% of land dwelling insects are really being hit hard. This has been going on for the past three decades. And this was according to a huge global study of insect declines. So they measured bees, butterflies, all types of insects, those that beautify and pollinate. They've been disappearing at a rate of, a, of under 1% each year. And insect declines are hit hardest in the Midwest, in the U.S., and also in parts of Europe. So land bugs definitely are dwindling, but freshwater insects, however, like mayflies and dragonflies and mosquitoes, uh, unfortunately for mosquitoes, they are increasing at a rate of more than 1% a year, the study found. Now, if you're interested in insects or want to learn more about the study in itself, it was featured in Science, the online journal magazine, and you can check it out at science.sciencemag.com on uh, the uh, April 24th, 2020 issue, volume 368, issue 6489. Next up. Uh, is where the scientists have really discovered uh, what's happening with microplastics and how come they've reached the seafloor. So scientists find highest ever level of microplastics on seafloor. And you can check it out on sciencedaily.com in the science news section. This is out of the University of Manchester in the UK. They were one of the main research institutions that were conducting the study about microplastics. So microplastics are not a new topic. They've kind of come to the forefront as far as ocean waste 
and you know there are being statistics out there about um, more plastics populating uh, the uh, oceans rather than fish in like 20 uh, 30 years and so there are tons of plastic wastes uh, that enter our oceans every year 10 million by some estimates so microplastics are uh, coming up more and more as being seen on the ocean floor and they're comprised of things like your fibers from your textiles and from your clothes and things like that so the study uh, from the university of manchester and other uh, institutions which i'll get to a little bit later they were looking at the direct link between the behavior of the ocean currents and the concentrations and how packed microplastics were on the seafloor and what they found uh, in, the, in the locations that they were heavily concentrated in and some of the hot spots for these uh, microplastics. And so they looked at the impact of the microplastics also on marine life. So with the deep sea currents, they sort of act as a as a as a wave of as a conveyor belt that is on and on in a sort of cycles, and so it concentrates the bulk of microplastics along a huge sedimentary uh, places where a lot of um, uh, sedimentary is about is bound to sink and accumulate there, and these are sort of the hot spots or hot beds of where you find uh, microplastic hot spots of what they're uh, known as. So these hot spots are kind of similar to the garbage patches that you're you're maybe familiar with when it comes to ocean um, plastic being on the surface of the waters around the globe. So the research findings were published in the journal Science, and they were conducted by several universities as well in the UK, Germany, and also France. Last but not least is this interesting story about a hailstone and setting a record. So this terrifying hailstone may have set a new world record, and it's an amazing story from HuffPost in the environment section. Now, this hailstone came out of Argentina from uh, one uh, young, young lady and her family. This was back in 2018. It's a famous hailstorm that happened in Villa Carlos Paz in Argentina. And the girl, uh, Victoria Duretta, her family, they were watching the hailstorm and they saw a, um, a, a bit of hail hit the ground and she put on her helmet just to make sure she was safe and she gathered up the main a big stone from uh, the hail itself and it weighed almost a whole pound and it was the width of a soccer ball. So it's a huge, huge piece of hail. And so the scientists from Penn State, woohoo, my alma mater, um, they believe that Victoria's hailstone should be categorized in a, a totally new uh, category all by itself because of its size and its, you know, gargantuan hail. That's would be the name of the category. So uh, with the team, they measured her uh, hailstone and it's between 7.4 and 9.3 inches across. So that's how, how long it is, how big it is. And uh, previously, the record uh, was out of Vivian, South Dakota, with a hailstorm having a, a hail piece as big as 8 inches. So for the new classification recommendation, the researchers are saying that any hailstone that's like 6 inches or even more would, of course, qualify and be considered a gargantuan hail. And so the research is published in the Bulletin of the American 
Meteorological Society for those who are interested. The news we're going to talk about in this podcast episode comes from a mainly positive.news. It's a great resource about positive news on the web, environmental news, and other types of news. And they even have their own magazine, so you should check it out if you want to learn a bit more about it. And I figured this uh, topic to talk about it mainly because fish, it's a food that I uh, eat Uh, quite frequently, not as much as I used to in the days of being pescatarian, but often enough. And I realized that there were some new technologies that I never really uh, thought of as being, um, you know, current now, but these are definitely new, um, ingenuitive. And I wondered how many other, you know, people, listeners out there, of course, of Greener Thoughts had heard about these new technologies. You know, how many people eat fish as their main source of protein or just what they eat in their diet. It is healthy, you know, and sustainable fisheries and sustainable fishing. uh, We should be abreast on, you know, how it's caught, where it's coming from, uh, how often we're eating uh, food, you know, all types of seafood. Um, I recently saw a seafood video. It talked about all the ways of how to uh, safely open types of seafood. It's really great video. It's a bit long. And I kind of was, you know, I guess prepping for this uh, video. And I was like, you know what, I should just talk about it. Um, And so we're going to share some information, some new uh, tech of the future when it comes to fisheries and fish. So again, we're going to talk about the new tech. There's three different uh, bits of information here when it comes to the future of fish and fisheries all around the globe. And the first one is blockchain technology. Now, this is one of the first ones that I I never heard of, or at least I I saw or was, um, I knew that there was a way to, of course, track fish or fisheries around the globe. But this is definitely, I think, one that will catch on. And I'm going to tell you how. So just imagine you picking up a packet of fish, maybe in a container, just a small bag or something from your grocery store or local fishery or fish market or maybe fishermen. And you can actually scan the package in some form uh, on your smartphone and then you can find out information like where it's from or when it was from. caught or how it was caught and by which company or a specific region. So that is one of the uh, new uh, types of things that is in the works and is happening right now, um, specifically with fisheries in the Pacific Islands. So they're using this technology to sort of uh, find out where, you know, tuna is caught and it proves to be uh, catching uh, speed and I think it's a really nifty way to uh, track and uh, be transparent when it comes to where your fish or the seafood is coming from. So this is great because the fish is fitted with a unique tag, it's reusable tag which is awesome and it tracks the fish from bait to plate as they call it and it's by sensors that are on boats and on docks and in processing factories. This is awesome because it can do something like decreasing the horrific events of slave labor, uh, slave labor which is um, intrinsically woven in some of the systems when it comes to fish, um, brick making, carpentry, carpentry, um, carpentry, or making carpets, other types of um, clothing, 
all types of other things um, have or involve slave labor. And one of them is, is fishing. And so this is a great way to track um, where your fish is coming from. And if it's coming from something like a, a banded vessel um, or another place or is coming from a pirated source. So a fun fact that 20% of fish or about one in five are illegally caught. So this technology definitely will change the game when it comes to sustainable fisheries. Number two is uh, spy uh, birds or, or are spy birds. So this is a bit different. This is where you're using birds in an efficient way to sort of uh, look at uh, where, uh, you know, uh, legal fisheries are happening or where legal fishing is occurring. So this project is sort of a a conservation project that originated from the French uh, National Center for Scientific Research. And they are now uh, currently uh, having the project done in New Zealand. And so they tracked and had 169 albatrosses and they had sensors on them and they were locating boats uh, via this uh, AIS system, which is an automatic identification systems uh, that uh, was switched off um, on some of these boats that often is a sign of uh, fishing that's done illegally. So these albatrosses were finding these boats that had the AIS systems turned off. And so over six months, the spy birds or the albatrosses, they located 353 vessels uh, that were not emitting an AIS signal, which is horrible. So 37% were, of course, not emitting the AIS signal. So enforcement boats could, of course, arrest uh, those boats because they are definitely offending and they aren't being tracked because they don't have their AIS uh, systems on. Number three are uh, uh, surveillance satellites. Now, I uh, checked out the size of some of the equipment that was being uh, part of this, and they're really, really tiny, like a mini bar, which I'm not sure, maybe that's like a candy bar size, but it's like the mini version. But anyway, the satellites are um, SAR, which are synthetic uh, aperture uh, radar, so they're equipped with this, and um, this is the radar that's on the satellite that detects the presence of a ship in the ocean in the sea, but it doesn't tell you exactly um, which uh, vessel sp specifically, so which company um, is sailing on the sea at that specific point in time. It's not that detailed. So a global fishing watch um, is really working to um, craft this technology because they're the creators of it and conservationists love it because um, they say that it creates a great visual for what's happening at sea and it's available to all. So they're making this technology, uh, Global Fishing Watch, they're making this technology easy for everyone to understand and to uh, connect with so they can see uh, how it's being used um, and how boats are being tracked um, and where they are specifically in uh, our world's oceans. 
that those technologies were pretty uh, fascinating, specifically the first one, like the blockchain technology. I've heard of the phrase, but to have it um, be where it is, like they were saying, bait uh, to plate, I think is more efficient and definitely can be scalable uh, when you're looking at it from a uh, position of the fisheries, you know, the distribution places, the supermarkets, consumers themselves. And, you know, have it be a consensus for all, um, you know, maybe working with international uh, fishing and ocean organizations, which I'll get to a little bit later, um, and have them sort of support these and, and co-sign um, or endorse um, this technology so it can be full scale. I think that that would really work. I'd definitely be on uh, because some of these tags are, not some of these, but these tags are uh, for the fish. They're reusable and they can you know capture so much data just packed into those tags, I think is vital. Um, so that's a, a technology I really liked. The spy birds was fascinating. Um, I don't know if other birds are going to be used as well, but albatross uh, is definitely a useful bird. Um, I know that uh, other birds, maybe scavenger birds or maybe uh, birds that have a, a, a long um, trajectory of where they, they fly or just how often they uh, go out into the sea or come back or however they travel, whichever birds um, that are going to be used for as spy birds, uh, I think, you know, is, is going to be well received. Um, more needs to be done with other birds if they're going to, you know, expand the category of birds. But albatross seems like a really great pick um, because it was so successful in catching all of uh, those ships that weren't uh, having their systems turned on. That's really a high regard um, for, you know, capturing that data. That's a really, really great uh, sign right, right now for that. Um, and then uh, the last option I think is interesting. I don't know how expensive uh, that would be to have satellites that sort of track uh, all the ships. And it's kind of a bummer that they can't necessarily identify specific uh, vessels like their names or maybe the companies of which uh, the vessels are a part of. But, you know, it's a work in progress. Um, I'm glad the conservationists are on board uh, with... Uh, you know, the tracking that way with the satellite perspective there. Um, I think that, um, you know, we need to expand and really put forth more um, information about fisheries and illegal fisheries, period. There's definitely not enough documentaries about it or information, period. Um, unless you're like in an international organization or you live you know, in, an, in a space where, you know, you're near the ocean or you just love the beach or, you know, you grew up living that way. Um, you know, if you ask, um, you know, people off the street, you know, what do they think about sustainable fisheries or fishing? Um, you know, will they have a lot to say about them? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, I know that in the U.S., depending on which coast you're living in, um, you're going to have three different perspectives when it comes to fishing and fisheries. You know, some people have um, had fishing in their family for generations. Other people don't even eat seafood like that. And then other people, it's a, a main source of, you know, food. They, 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 they sustain their families off of it. Uh, maybe they live near the beach. Maybe they, you know, are... Um, avid um, cleaners and, and, and those who safeguard the environment when it comes to their beaches and do all types of cleanups. You know, in the U.S., it's varied when it comes to 
the perspective of um, fisheries and, and, and protecting our oceans. You know, there's the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean on uh, different sides of the coasts, on opposite sides of the country. And then you have people who, who grow up in the South and they're familiar with like seafood boils and, you know, um, the different, uh, you know, lakes and, you know, all types of other places, Gulf of Mexico and everything else, uh, seafood life around places like Florida, Louisiana, etc. And then you go up north in Maine and they have like lobsters and there's like a community around lobsters and like other types of shellfish. It's just wild when you think of the scope of how far in the, the depth of seafood culture in the U.S., um, I wish that there was more programming around it, like I said, like documentaries, um, but I, I'm happy to have talked about this topic. I remember, and I've talked about it, um, where I used to be pescatarian for like two years, so like in 20, uh, I think in 2017, 2018, and, um, and then a little bit of 2019 as well, so I was a bit consistent with it for some time. Um, I do miss it a little bit, but I know that I wanted to develop uh, more of a an ongoing diet that was um, consistent but was varied. So I, I ate, you know, salmon and and um, you know potatoes and, and veggies and other things and shrimp. And sometimes it would give me, um, you know, a little bit of gout, and that would be kind of painful and not so fun. But um, you don't have to have a lot of water, which is fine, but I think, um, you know, just having just too much, um, at once, uh, you know, wasn't fine, but I do love that I, you know, lost weight, like 20, 25 pounds or so, and I haven't gained it back or anything. And, um, I love that I was able to do that, you know, being a Marylander, being a foodie, being someone who loves my seafood, you know, I miss my times of sometimes being a you know pescatarian and I would go back to it definitely, but I want to make sure I'm looking at all the array of foods to eat because there are some foods I just didn't have access to, you know, cause they didn't, they weren't around me like, you know, um, geel ducks or like, uh, different types of, um, you know, fish weren't around, um, and, and some things like I've never eaten anchovies. I don't know how, you know, caviar, I haven't eaten too much caviar. I've probably eaten a few times in my life. Um, other types of seafood, I wasn't eating tons of calamari or squid, which is squid or just other types of things. I wasn't eating a lot of that and I wanted to vary my seafood options. So next time, if I'm going to go down that route, it's going to be more thorough, planned out options, recipes on deck, you know, recipe books, um, lots of resources, um, and definitely, um, fill my brain up with resources, information about it so that I can, you know, have a full, um, palate and diet without any restrictions and without suffering, um, on any level. So, um, with these techniques and sustainable, uh, fisheries and with tracking fish, um, you know, there are things to look for if you haven't already, you know, known about them. Things like uh, dolphin safe foods or, um, you know, looking at where your tuna is coming from or if your uh, list of food is safe with NOAA, the, the National Oceanic uh, Atmospheric uh, Administration. 
or um, if your, your foods that you're eating, your fishes, if they're endangered or overfished, then it's safe to not, of course, eat them because you don't want to exacerbate uh, them being endangered more. And there's also uh, tons of, or not tons, but there's a few countries that fish or capture the most types of fish. And this is including aquaculture. So according to the Food and Agriculture Organization, or FAO, there are a number of countries that are big on seafood um, and fishing. So they may be overfishing or just capturing so much that they've made this list. So China, Peru, Indonesia, United States, and India coming in at number five. These are the countries where there is fishing that um, is at elevated levels above other countries. So we're going to look at some different ways to sort of fight um, some of the worst impacts of uh, fisheries being um, uh, overexploited. And we're going to look at those things in a bit. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and, of course, protect Mother Earth. So this is a time where we're going to talk about some amazing tips and fishing practices that we can do, really easy stuff, and we can look at some of the fishes that we already eat, some that we don't need to eat as often, and sort of prevent uh, overfishing. And there are other tips as well. So that's the message um, plainly for this podcast episode. So the first tip is to ask, always ask your local fishmonger uh, where they're fishing from, where your fish that you have uh, bought from them was from, or how it's caught, where they get it from, um, or, you know, um, you know, just build some rapport with them, build a relationship with them, especially if you um, go to them often. I know that one of the uh, fisheries or fishmongers or just another word for where you get your fish from, fish market, um, fish seller, is um, Cameron Seafood. Cameron Seafood is pretty known in the East Coast for selling all types of seafood and they also have uh, seafood prepared meals that they have. So like all types of like crab sandwiches and like fried foods and like Oh, amazing sides, french fries, all types of uh, foods like that that they have at their counter and they sell as well. Um, they have their soups and bisques. You can have um, crab legs and all types of different clams and, and fish sold by the pound. So I have a rapport with them. I've been you know, eating their food for probably more than five, six years. So it's been a while. So I know, you know that food, how much I'm getting, um, you know, how it's coming to me, how, how it's, you know, season and if it's in season and where, you know, it's coming from and how often I may or may not be able to get it. And, and if it's in season, that's fine. If it's not, that's also great. Um, so I have that flexibility there and there's, you know, plenty of locations. It's great. So building that rapport with where you get your seafood from is great. If you know the staff um, and you're able to ask ask them questions, you know, that's an opportunity to learn so much more. So number two, tip number two is to buy from a trusted or reputable seller or supplier. And uh, this doesn't mean going necessarily to like a chain supermarket. So sometimes where I would buy seafood, like just crab legs, um, would be someplace like Giant, which is, isn't 
100% reputable because they get it from someplace else. So if you're able to go directly to a fish market or somewhere else uh, that's supplying uh, the food and has the fisheries, um, you know, or has contacts there, has um, all types of seafood goodies there, they're uh, more reputable because they are like the one-in-stop one shop when it comes to seafood. Sometimes if you're buying from a supermarket, you don't know what necessarily you're getting. And some places may sell subpar uh, food or may you know switch up the prices or maybe even expensive, it depends. So just uh, level with that, you know, uh, look at prices uh, and, and, and where your uh, food, where your seafood is coming from. That's the best thing to do. Number three is to buy local. This is great because both um, those places, Giant and Cameron Seafood, Cameron Seafood again is you know on the East Coast, so in places like Pennsylvania and Maryland, DC, etc. And so, if you're able to, you can buy it from you know a supplier that's local. That could be in your same state, same county, same city. Um, or maybe your local fisherman, someone you know who fishes, you know, maybe buy from them. Maybe they're selling fish. If you can get it from a, you know, company um, who's, you know, not too far from you or some type of fish market, maybe there's a fish market and it's, you know, every weekend or once a month, twice a month. If you're able to buy local, that's even better. And then uh, number four is to check out this amazing link. It has some of the uh, top sustainable fisheries list and they have tons of different organizations. It's called 16 Organizations Promoting Sustainable Fishing Practices. Now this isn't uh, all exhaustive, but these are some of the top organizations on the planet when it comes to sustainable fishing. So they've been in the, in the game for a long, long time and they know about fishing, uh, how to safeguard fish and you know how to hold companies accountable. They have networks that are huge and some of them are even international, some of these organizations. So for all those who are interested or want to join an organization, learn more about it, you have a background in uh, ocean fisheries or, you know, fishing or it's been in your blood for a long time, then maybe you want to join one of these organizations or share it with someone who is um, involved in uh, fish fishing or fisheries or wants to protect them in some way. And so you can share that with them. I will definitely leave it in the show notes. You can check it out at um, foodtank.com and it's called 16 Organizations Promoting Sustainable Fishing Practices. And again, I will link it in the show notes so you can see it there and copy it as well. And then last but not least, the last tip is uh, from mindfood.com. Now they have an amazing list, which I'm going to read to you all. Uh, And so it talks about the good choices and some of the species that are under threat in the first category. And so you can choose to buy the following fish. So you can choose to buy fish like uh, Australian salmon, blue swimmer, ream, spelled R-E-A-M, calamari, cuttlefish, octopus, squid, flathead, King George whiting, leather jacket, mullet, uh, Malloway, Trevally, a Western, uh, Rock Lobster, Whiting, Yellowtail, Kingfish, Abalone, Blue Mussel, Crayfish, and Oysters. And then in the next category, these are fish that you should try not to buy because these are extremely overfished 
fish, um, and also other types of uh, seafood. So this is your blue uh, wereroo. So the, the trevally or the, the sea bream or the snotty trevala, these are all grouped as one. Your commercial scallop or your bass strait. Your deep water shark or flake. Uh, Eastern gemfish, your silver kingfish. Your orange ruffy or the deep sea perch or sea perch. Your Oreos, or your Dory, your deep sea Dory, or your spotted Dory, your redfish, so for example, red snapper, your school shark, so that's again flake uh, shark, this trope, and then there's a boneless uh, fillet, and then there's the silver trevally or white trevally, then there's a southern bluefin tuna, which is known as tuna, and then last but not least, the uh, uh, type of category where you should avoid uh, these fish or other types of seafood because they're the most vulnerable. Avoid these at all costs and also heavily fished types of species. Now this is your your big eye tuna, uh, your tuna, your big eye tuna. There are your broad bell swordfish or just your sword, that's known as swordfish. And then the sharks and rays. So these are your sharks and any uh, ray f- uh, sharks. So they come in flake or boneless fillet or stingray flaps. Um, your sting stingrays are also um, the type of uh, seafood you shouldn't be eating, of course. And then your yellowfin tuna or wider Pacific Ocean uh, fish. So uh, those fish, all those fish, are listed as part of the Eastern Region Alliance. fact of the day is that light pollution is overwhelming fireflies' mating signals. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club's Sierra Magazine in the May-June 2020 issue. Alright everyone, we've come to the Eco Company Spotlight. This is the amazing part in the show, of course. We talk about amazing eco companies, environmental companies, of course, that have amazing products and amazing services that are great for the environment and do good in the environment. And I've been doing the reviewing of all these different companies and their services and products for a while now, since February 2019. And so one of the latest ones I want to let you know about is called Grimway Farms and their brand of carrots that they have called Bunny Love. So, family-owned Grimway Farms is a global produce leader and the world's largest producer of carrots. Grimway grows 100% of its organic and conventional crops in the USA, and brands include Cal Organic Farms and Bunny Love. So, I love that Grimway Farms, first of all, has a whole host of products, but their sustainability is off the chart. It's one of the uh, most notable, I think, in their sustainability department as far as what I've covered in uh, this part of the program in several episodes. They are lengthy when it comes to uh, how sustainable that they are. 
So you have several things going for them. They have their A2LA accreditation, which is the American Association for Laboratory Accreditation. They are CCOF certified organic. They are free from artificial additives and preservatives when it comes to their uh, products, their crops. They are non-GMO verified. They are a certified kosher with the Orthodox Union kosher certification there. They are SQF certified, so that's the quality, the safe quality uh, food program certification. They are USDA organic, and they also have amazing packaging, some of which is uh, recyclable. As far as their products, I'll just say with their crops, their vegetables specifically, they uh, grow so many of them. Of course, they're the largest producer of carrots and uh, they have all types of other vegetables that they do carry as well. They do uh, grow and have. They offer 65 seasonal and year-round varieties of their vegetables and all of their vegetables are organic and sustainably grown in the U.S. And you can check out more about their organic products and their crops at Grimway. That's G-R-I-M-M-A-W um, or G-M-I-M-M-W-A-Y dot com. And then go to products and then go to organics. So my experience specifically of their brand of carrots with Bunny Love, that's their brand, but they have the organic uh, products of Bunny Love. And so I love their baby cut carrots. They are amazing quality, super crunchy, they come in a small bag, and they also have a bigger bag as well. And it has, you know, great taste. It's fabulous. Um, definitely just for that, I give it five out of five green thumbs up. I want to try more of their foods. I wish that they were a little bit more available and that they had the, the where to buy section on their uh, site. But other than that, they are, you know, fabulous with their foods and again with their sustainability factor. Their foods overall are good just for, you know, any occasion for, you know, something like a quick lunch or a dinner. The carrots specifically are great for kids or for any lunch, just eating as a snack, packing light, something, you know, just to uh, get you through. It's healthy. It's convenient. They're great. The carrots. I love the packaging. I'm able to, you know, see the product and, you know, it's, it's a great, um, you know, love to you know, eat something healthy and you're, you're grabbing it. You have it really great price depending on where you um, buy from because there's tons of different stores um, that sort of carry their different brands that they have. So I couldn't have a, a comprehensive pricing on just carrots because they're sold um, by or from different places. So you can check online or in stores generally for pricing on their carrots or the other uh, products that they have. So as far as Grimway, Grimway Farms, they can be found online and in store. You can check them out. They have a few different websites. One of them is GrimwayCarrots.com. That's G-R-I-M-M-W-A-W Carrots.com or Grimway.com, both of those sites. You can find them at places like on Amazon, at Costco, at Food Lion, at Fresh Direct, and Giant, and... A giant Eagle. You can find them also at Harris Teeter Supermarkets, Kroger, Price Right, Ralph's, Safeway, Wegmans, Wise Markets, Whole Foods Markets, 
and many, many other stores across the uh, USA and, of course, in Canada. So Organic Bunny Love, again, is a brand under Grimway Farms, and you can find out uh, more about Grimway Farms on all their social media accounts. They have tons of different platforms that they're on. So they're on Facebook at Grimway Farms. Uh, Grimway Farms. They're on Instagram at Grimway Farms. That's all one word, all lowercase. They're on LinkedIn, same thing, at Grimway Farms. And they're on Pinterest at Grimway Farms, Twitter at Grimway Farms, and also on YouTube at Grimway Farms. To contact Grimway Farms, you should go to their websites. You can go to GrimwayCarrots.com or Grimway and then go to contact us. It's usually at the bottom of the websites. You can call them, you can mail them, or you can uh, directly message them. This was a fun podcast episode. I definitely learned different things about you know, how to prevent illegal uh, fisheries from happening and the different technologies that are already out there and that are growing. And I found them very interesting. I hope that they are, again, popularized and uh, made even in more, um, you know, use as time goes on and they get uh, more and more advanced. I think that this was a great time to talk about it. I know that um, you know, there are tons of people who will probably be listening, all the listeners out there who love seafood or are interested in this topic. And so I learned something new. I hope that you did as well. Um, and, you know, we learned about, you know, these new ways to fight uh, illegal uh, fishing. Uh, you know, how did you, you know, like the fish list? There's tons of fish that you can eat, tons that you uh, should sort of, you know, um, you know, pause on. But uh, other than that, I think it was a fine podcast episode overall. Thank you, of course, for tuning in and listening as always. I will try to uh, have the consistency uh, there, even though uh, things are kind of up in the air when it comes to my new uh, work schedule and everything. As you all know, you know, periodically uh, I do uh, work um, and, and one of the um, points of which I work is um you know a bit later uh, within the year definitely my schedule changes so i'll try to keep some consistency and then pick it up from there so thank you of course for always tuning in or sharing uh, the podcast episodes rating um the episodes or you know tuning in you know about the giveaway information i kind of want to make those you know a bit more popular and have people participate in those tons of uh, different ways you can, of course, participate. You can always email Greener Thoughts. So, of course, thank you, thank you, of course, for listening. And I wish you well. And for you to please take care of yourselves and to also please take care of the planet. You all be well. Bye. <music>